The views expressed on this podcast are those of the participants, not of Rogers News. Ask people what they know about Flint, and chances are the first thing, and perhaps the only thing many will mention, is the water crisis which struck the Michigan City in 2014. That in many respects was the culmination of several decades of decline for a city that was the birthplace for both General Motors and the United Auto Workers Union. GM now has just 8,000 employees here, a tenth of its peak in the 80s. The FBI ranks Flint the sixth most violent city in the States, and the poverty rate is some 40%. But like its larger neighbour Detroit, the city last year took back full control from emergency managers first installed by the governor of the Wolverine State in 2011. It also set up its first ever economic development team and tax revenue is projected to grow. I sat down with Mayor Karen Weaver in Flint City Hall to discuss the city's turnaround, its relationship with the auto industry and what mark the water crisis has left on the city. Mayor Weaver, thanks so much for coming on the podcast for us. Well, thank you for having me. So... Let's start off with, um, and I know everyone talks about water, I talk about water when we talk about Flint, but this week I'm up here for the, the car show in Detroit. Okay. Um, I think you're going there at some point over the next few days. Um, let's, let's talk about the car industry and Flint. So as I mentioned in the introduction, GM and Flint have a long association. Basically, most people see this as the birthplace of General Motors. Um, over the years, um, it's declined from 80,000 staff uh, at GM to 8,000. That's had a huge negative impact on the city. We could also, as we get to the water, look at the, mm-hmm. the, the contamination from the, the factories as well. How would you characterize the relationship Flint has with General Motors now? Well, you know, we're continuing to keep that relationship going, and we'd like to see it grow even more. Uh, and I am glad to say that it's starting to do that. You know, you talked about and you referenced the water crisis. And one of the things that came about as the water, you know, as a result of that was when GM noticed their parts were rusting. And one of the things they immediately did was to get off of the Flint water. Uh, Let's see, we had our state of the city in October. And at that point in time, GM had gotten back on Flint water. They are back as a customer. So that was a good uh, good way to start expanding our relationship because we wanted to continue. I'll say some of the things that have also happened as a result is if you look and you see that uh, Lear Corporation is here in the city of Flint. It's a factory that makes parts for GM cars with the trucks. Uh, We have Android that does uh, the consoles. They do something else with tires. So we have some things that are supplementing, uh, you know, the car industry. Would we like to see more happen? Of course we would. Now, you know there was some closing in some factories around the state of Michigan. And while that's always a bad thing to have happen because that's what happened with us, yeah. uh, those jobs, a thousand of them are being relocated to the city of Flint. Oh, is that right? So Flint, in, in, in this one instance, finally, Flint is not being affected by shutdowns that I think are affecting a plant in Detroit and several others around, exactly, around the area. Exactly, exactly. And actually, GM is investing here, I think, as well. I think I read they're investing about $80 million mm-hmm. as and well. So. Yes, yeah, so, so that's why I said we're continuing to uh, talk right. with GM and to keep our relationship going and see how we can expand it. So those are some things that have happened. Uh, do we want more? Of course yeah. we do. Do you think you can attract others here that the, the, the city is so associated with General mm-hmm. Motors? And she said you've got Leo and, and, and Android here. Would others come here, do you think? You know what? 
Uh, I, I just had a conversation with somebody that was uh, that had come here, and this is what happens anytime someone comes here and they walk around and they drive around and they see everything that's going on in mm -hmm. Flint, like a rebirth almost. Uh, they're very, very impressed uh, because we were excited to have Lear because we hadn't had such a, a large right. company come. When did they come in? They came. Wow, uh, it's been a. a about a year right. that Lear came, and in fact, this week and last week they started. They opened up to hire 400 more employees, uh, so so that's been a good thing. We have Android, and so while we're looking for big businesses to come, we're, mm. we've spent a lot of time focusing on small business and entrepreneurship as well. Mm. And so, if you walk around, especially in the downtown area, you'll see where you have the Ferris wheel and the innovation hub right. for, for small businesses and entrepreneurs. You'll see that stores have opened up, mm. restaurants have opened up, uh, the culinary arts school has opened up. Uh, we're looking at some things really a little bit further east where Delphi used to be and bringing right. businesses in. So when people come here, they see all of these reasons that they should come to right. Flint. It's a great time to come. And I think that's what's happening. Mm. And one of the things we had to learn as a result of uh, GM leaving uh, the way they did, or as much of them leaving, I should say, is the importance of being able to diversify. Yeah, absolutely. And also the importance of working with uh, workforce development. Yeah. Uh, one of the things we knew uh, would happen was as a result of a crisis, economic opportunities would come to the city of Flint. And um, so making sure that we made those um, opportunities available or leveled the playing field so local companies could bid on that yeah. and hire people from the city of Flint and train people in, in apprenticeship programs uh, with plumbers and pipe fitters and those right. kinds of things. That's, that's, that I find that quite interesting, actually, because if I look at, say, Detroit now, it's trying to turn around. Mm -hmm. A lot of it, of course, has been, been driven by the private sector and by one man in, in particular, Dan Gilbert from mm -hmm. Quicken Loans. And it helps to have that kind of multi-millionaire right. or billionaire behind you. And of course, you know, Detroit has, well, it was very associated with, with the auto industry as well, but has m managed to bring in other big businesses mm -hmm. to come in downtown or at least locate some of their um, local business, local parts of their business there. And I often get the sense they've they brought in people from outside rather than necessarily rather than just hiring locals. Mm -hmm. you, and we're you, doing both. Yeah. You don't do, ha do you have a Dan Gilbert type here, though? <laughs> No, but no. we've talked to Dan Gilbert yeah. about some things going on here right. in the city. Uh, but the other thing, uh, uh, when you were talking about that, is uh, we've let people know that while there are those opportunities in, in Detroit, we're only 60 miles north. Yeah. It didn't take me long to get here. That's and I didn't and speed. And that's exactly right. And that's yeah. our point is uh, some people that have had difficulty opening, getting doors opened right. in Detroit, we've encouraged them to come and look at Flint and see what right. we have to offer. And like I said, because we are so close, uh, it shouldn't be, you know, it's not a big deal. Yeah, it's getting harder to park in Detroit now. It's getting harder to find somewhere to live. You can come park so in Flint. Come to Flint, park here, park here, open up your business here, and just stay. Now, what, 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 what about, I love that. What about um, uh, the, the general perception of Flint? If, I mean, like I said at the beginning, if I mm -hmm. go through the statistics, you've got a high poverty but you rate, know what? high I, crime I, rate. We do, but let me say, I'm not quite sure about this crime rate because we have, you know, we've been in the top 10 for years and years and years. Uh, a few months ago, uh, we were finally out of the top 10, and somehow that does not get reported. Mm. And, and that's uh, dis it's discouraging. 
Uh, we were talking about that today, in fact, when I was meeting with the chief of police and he was going through how the crime stats have dropped. A and it's so funny because when crime is at its highest, it gets reported. Yeah. But when we've made all this progress, really in safety across the board, mm. those are the things that seem to go unnoticed by the outside. And we right. keep saying, no, no, you need to come here and see. Uh, because after the water, as we were talking about businesses coming, uh, first thing they wanted to do was make sure we were addressing the water. They found out we were. The next thing was public safety. Right. And um, one of the things we know is these businesses would not be coming uh, if we were as bad as everybody tries to say yeah. we are and that yeah. we had not made progress. And we have made such a, a tremendous mm -hmm. amount of progress in the area of public safety uh, with crime, with fires, both of those things. Mm -hmm. And we're really excited to let people know that. Yeah. So when we mentioned the economic development team mm -hmm. earlier, and you, 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 you've referenced it as well. Um, yes. And that the several of the, of the go several goals you set up for them, one of them was to identify industries to come in, like you talked about earlier, diversification. So. I, Beyond the auto companies you've mentioned mm -hmm. and the small businesses, how what is it that the how has Flint managed to find, or how is it still trying to find the right mix of industries? What what is ideal, do you think, uh, for the next a, few years? Well, actually, a mix. But one of the things we've talked about is uh, we have not paid attention enough to actually keeping the businesses that are here here, but we have not uh, really talked enough and given enough support, I believe, to small businesses and entrepreneurship. And so we are really spending a lot of our energy and focus in that area to make sure we're helping them because we recognize that that's what helps build a community mm. as well and build neighborhoods yeah. and strengthen your city. Uh, so we've been, we've been looking at, at those kinds of things. Some of the other things we've talked about is, I mean, when you have these colleges and universities that are here, uh, that's a natural gateway mm. for other businesses. If you look at Mott Culinary Arts School going downtown, that that should help as yeah. far as business. Uh, so we've been we've been looking at that uh, when we talk about economic development opportunities. And the other thing is, I mean, technology. Now is the time for technology uh, to come to the city of Flint, especially as you're rebuilding a city and rebuilding infrastructure. It's a great opportunity mm. to put a lot of things in uh, at the you know at the same time and what be strategic things, about what sort that of because you, you about? we talk about infrastructure, of course, but you talk about uh, broadband kinds of things. You talk about lighting for the city and mm. technology in that area. Even something we talk about smart meters. There right. are so many ways that technology can come in and be part of the rebirth and the rebuilding of the city of mm. Flint. And that's what we want people to know as well. One of the things we also did not that long ago, and it's something we will continue to do, is uh, we've hosted different kinds of events for uh, businesses and developers to come into Flint. It's what what is it you're looking at? They come into Flint, we take them around to see what mm -hmm. kind of space is available, what kind of technology is already set up in those spaces. Uh, we've got a lot of land here in the city of yep. Flint. Uh, and I think we've got more land uh, contiguous space than a lot of cities have across the country. And so we've looked at those kinds of things as far as bringing businesses here. So we've been trying to highlight that and that's something we want to continue to do and I think it's something we can push more now that we have an economic development team as part of mm. the city structure uh, because we've been without that for such a long time, yeah. almost 14 years. And so it will be a year 
in March that we've had our own economic development team. So for us to be able to work with uh, uh, the chamber who had been doing that, you know, alone for right. such a long time, I think will make it even better for us. Mm. Where else are you getting resources from to do this kind of thing? I mean, are you partnering with big businesses? Like when you talk about infrastructure for the city or smart mm -hmm. infrastructure, there are a lot of companies out there, Ford being one of them, just at the, the, the show earlier on, they were talking about their, all their sort of smart mobility ideas they've got. Are you t tapping into companies like that, or is it very much um, the, the, the local universities and colleges and local entrepreneurs who are doing it? We want to do both of those things, actually, and that's why one of the ways we set up our, our economic development team was we have a, a person that is focused on small business and entrepreneurship and working with the colleges and university and then we have somebody else that's looking at a, you know the larger businesses and retention and attraction uh, so because we do we want to we want to hit both of them uh, because one of the things I said is we don't want to get locked into doing just one thing mm -hmm. because that's what got us got us in a bad situation yep. when GM started leaving was you know 90% of our workforce was tied to the auto industry, yeah. and that's something we can't let happen again. Uh, we've looked to see that, wow, we're, we could actually be a college town as well when you mm. look at what we have in the city of Flint between uh, Mott Community College, U of M Flint, we have uh, Baker, we have Kettering, one of the best engineering schools in the country. Uh, we have Michigan State College of Human Medicine here. So that's another area mm -hmm. for us to expand in. So we, the door is wide open for Flint right now. Yeah. Um, what about uh, if I look at the finances? I, mm -hmm. I looked at the, the, the very took a very quick look at the budget, and you're projecting, I think, over the next five years, a roughly five percent increase in income tax revenue and ten percent, I think, for housing uh, for, or for um, uh, property taxes. Which you know, it's not earth shattering over a five year period, but compared to where you come from, it's it's good to see um, black numbers rather yes, than red. Yes, it is. Right? Yes, so, it is. So how? <laughs> Do you th are you being conservative on that? Given all, all the opportunities you've been talking about, are you, are you trying to be conservative in those numbers, or do you? Or do you I think that the worry, I suppose, is well, when I would, I look I at would any rather company. be conservative and overachieve yeah. than to promise people that we're going to hit this mark up here. Yeah. Because um, the fear, I, I would, I would think, if looking at companies, but also cities, is if you come out of a crisis mm -hmm. and you try and overreach, you can find yourself going straight back down. Exactly, and that's that's what we want to make sure we don't do. And um, I know we have uh, a great CFO at the helm making sure we continue uh, in the right direction. But I, yeah, I would rather be conservative mm. and overachieve, yeah. you know, especially in that area, yeah. especially in the finances, because it's so nice to finally be out of emergency manager when you've been had one, you know. <laughs> yeah. For seven, the seven years. For, if I was going to say for the amount of time we've had them, it's really nice to be in the you know yeah. the direction we're going mm. financially. Mm. Now, what about um, the population? So the, the, the population dropped twenty percent between two thousand two thousand fourteen, I think, give or take. Um, numbers I've seen since then are sort of a bit all over the place. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, now things are getting going again. We'll see what happens. But what's your sense of? of population changes at the moment? Well, I'm hoping for more population. I'm, I'm <laughs> hoping to, to increase, really, uh, because one of the things we've been talking about, people have said to us, is uh, looking for housing. Yeah. Looking for housing and want, wanting to stay in the city. They want to be here. And as you see uh, downtown expanding, we're looking at more housing downtown. Right. Uh, because some people, that, you know, they want to be able to, to, to walk to work and be in the downtown area. So we're looking at, uh, 
you'll see some things uh, starting probably in the mm -hmm. spring in the downtown area, but you'll also see some things going on north of downtown and south of downtown where we got the Choice Neighborhood Award from HUD for the $30 million, right. and that will be uh, market rate and low income. We want to make sure we're covering all of that. So we're also looking into the neighborhoods, and it's really nice because one of the things I've always talked about is recognizing that you need a thriving downtown for mm -hmm. a thriving city, but then things have to move past right. there. And so for things to be getting uh, ready to be built uh, north of downtown and south of downtown, I think I'm happy about it, but so are the people of this city. For things yeah. to be over in the Cummings area, that's another neighborhood. Uh, so they're seeing the expansion. And I think when people see those things happening, uh, they will come. Right. They will come. Now let's let's move on to the the, the issue that everyone associates now, which is the, the water crisis. Very quickly, mm -hmm. going over that, so that the uh, the city within while the emergency manager was still in charge, obviously decided to switch to save what two million a year, give or take. Okay. Um, and as a result, you've had um, problems with everything from lead in the water to um, uh, Legionnaire's disease Correct. and worse. Um, several people have died, yes. lots of people have been infected um, or have had their health uh, mm -hmm. affected. Where do we stand now? Um, wh what's, what's the state of play for the, the quality of Flint's water mm -hmm. uh, and what happens next? Well, I'm really glad you asked that question because there's a lot of confusion out there uh, because people hear that we are still on bottled and filtered water and so they wonder what is going on. Uh, one of the things we talked about was needing to address the lead and galvanized service lines and getting those changed. And we had a goal that there were uh, about 18,000 uh, that were identified as needing to be checked. Right. And then if they were lit or galvanized being changed. And we had a three year period in which to do that. And we're at the three years is up the end of this year and we're already over 20,000. Right. So we're ahead of schedule in getting those changed. After those 18,000, we said we had between uh, eight and 10,000 other pipes we wanted to check. Uh, so we could say we've looked at everything in the city of Flint. Right. Uh, and so we're on those now. So that's a good thing. We're ahead of schedule. Uh, but so then people question, well, then why are you still on bottled and filtered water? Because I believe that the former governor, Rick Snyder, stopped the bottled water. water in the summer. Right, right. right. Uh, it was in April. And uh, we were not happy with that because our water is testing much better. And mm -hmm. we're happy about that. And one of the things I've always said is I would it wouldn't look good for me to have been in office this amount of time and the water isn't any better. Yeah. So the water's testing better and we're changing the pipes. Uh, but our issue is we have construction going on all over this city. And one of the things the EPA has said is when you have this amount of construction going on, you still potentially can have an, a health crisis right. on hand uh, because there's a, the potential for lead to continue to get in as right. we're shaking things up. And so until we get all of the pipes replaced, uh, that need to be replaced. We need to protect ourselves. And I would rather err on the side of this is being conservative and cautious again and tell people to continue with bottled and filtered water until we get through uh, addressing all of the pipes in so the city of Flint. So where's the water coming from, the bottled water coming from now or the, or the um, filters if it's not coming via the state? Uh, well, the filters did come from the state. Right. We also had people that did private donations. Right. Uh, Nestle has given some water to the right. city of Flint to help keep those help centers open. The Mott Foundation has given money for bottled water and we still get private donations all of the time. Right. People are calling to donate water. So that's how we're maintaining. Mm. And if 
in fact, uh, they were going to stop that bottled water the end of last year. And because we still have that need while we uh, continue to uh, remove the lead and galvanized lines, yeah. the bottled water right now is set to go until the end of April and then we'll reevaluate where we are, how far along we've gotten and how long that should continue. Now, one of the things that I have told people is even once we know that we have addressed all of the lead and galvanized lines in the city of Flint, I want our medical, our health community to sign off before I give people mm. the okay that it's tap drinkable again because that's our goal. Yeah. Uh, but we, we have made a lot of progress and that's what we want people to know is that we have been addressing the pipes and getting them changed. We're ahead of schedule um, with getting those changed, but until we have um, the sign-off, and like I said, EPA isn't going to change their stance. Yeah. They're not going to change, and, and I'm not either. Yeah. Uh, so if they're saying you still have the possibility of a health issue, if you go straight to tap water now, we're going with that. Yeah. Because that was what got us in this mess, was putting uh, you know, profit over the public health and well-being right. of the people, and so we're not going to do that again. Now, the, the new governor has said that she would bring bottled water back for Flint. Is that necessary? Are you gonna, is she going to follow through on that, do you, you think? You know what? Uh, she and I have talked about that. We talked about that when she was campaigning, and we've talked about it since she's been in, in office as well. And really what we need to have happen is we need to continue to have access to the bottled and filtered water until we get through the lead service line. Mm. So that's why we said we know we have it until April. If we're not finished, you know, our goal is to be finished sometime this summer. Uh, so if we're not finished in April, one of the things we've talked about is uh, is that conversation with Nestle to continue to provide right. bottled water. Is that con uh, I've had that conversation with the Mott Foundation that we will need it until we get through the lead service right. line replacement and with private donors as well. So I, I would like for that to continue. So I don't know that it means opening up other pods, but it means keeping the help centers that are handing out the water and those uh, churches that are giving out the mm -hmm. water, keeping them stocked. So that's what we, we just right. want to make sure we have access to it until we get through mm -hmm. this process. What about the health effects, the longer-term health mm -hmm. effects from this? How, how does the city deal with that, finance that? Because a lot of people who've, who've, got, who've, who've been affected um, and they probably don't have the money or good insurance. Right, and you know insurance. what, and that was one of the concerns. And, and um, you know, people have always said, you know, all this money came to Flint, where did it go? Well, it went to the foundations, but I know they did set something up for health. Um, because that was our concern is what happens because we may not know some of the health effects for years to come. Yeah. We may find out in two years, five years, ten years. Yeah. And so uh, ensuring that that money is there to be able to address these things. But uh, in fact, this Friday we're going to be talking about the lead registry. And that's one of the other things uh, that we have in place to help address what's going on with people's uh, health. And we're talking about physical health. Uh, oral health, mental health, mm -hmm. all of those kinds of things. And it's our way of, of, of tracking the services that people are getting and letting them know there's another service. So we'll be able to see, you know what, you did A and B, but there's two other services that you qualify mm -hmm. for. And so we really want people to take advantage of every service that is out there and that's available. And this is a way to ensure right. that, they, that they get those services. So that's really, really important that we look at those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we've been talking about that lead registry a lot because we want people to know it's there. One of the other things that we were able to do was expand Medicaid up to age 21 and for all pregnant right. women. Uh, and that was really, really important. Mm. Um, but 
you know, it, it's just interesting because that was one of our arguments about why we needed that funding for health because we don't know the full impact yeah. of drinking poisoned lead water uh, will have on on the health of the people here in the mm. city. Yeah, what's your estimate, if you have one, of, of what the crisis has cost so far financially? Wow, you know what? I don't. I don't because you know it, it's interesting uh, when you look at everything we've had to do. We know we've we've uh, it's cost almost two hundred million. Uh, for the the lead and galvanized pipes mm. to be replaced when you talk about getting the smart meters in in um, as we're changing yeah. the pipes uh, when you look at those kinds of things but that doesn't include people have needed new new water heaters yeah. they've needed new appliances that have been damaged we haven't talked about that cost yeah. uh, if you look at even something that sometimes people don't think about is the damage to some of the fire trucks yeah as that water went through you know, there's another cost. You, you, one of the things you brought up was loss of population and what that has cost this mm. city financially when you talk about revenue coming yeah. in. Uh, for a while, and we're back on track with people paying water bills again because they've seen what we've been yeah. doing as far as addressing this crisis, but that loss. I mean, so it, it's hard to put a price mm. on what this has cost us financially, and then you talk about uh, the human cost. Mm. Because like you said, we've, we had uh, people that died as a result of Legionnaires. We, we know we have uh, young people that have been impacted. We know we have pregnant women uh, that uh, miscarried, had stillbirths, right. those kinds of things. So, uh, you know, we don't know how long it's going to take us to get our arms around that. We had a report where they said uh, some of those cases of pneumonia, could those have been legionnaires, or right. could they have? Um, <clears throat> it was the cause of that death more tied to the water? Yeah. So we're still finding some things out. I mean, because we didn't find out. Really, they started looking at, and I can't give you the numbers, the rates of the uh, how fertility went down and how miscarriages went up. But that took a year or two later. Yeah. Uh, to start getting those numbers. So this is going to be something that's been ongoing. Uh, it's I think it's going to be like a living document yeah. where it changes. The more uh, we collect data and people continue to tell their stories, uh, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, we know that we can't put a, a cost on the lives that have been damaged or lost. We know that. Yeah. Uh, you know, you have to look at uh, what happened with uh, special education rates, have they gone up as a result of kids that were drinking that water? What happened with juvenile justice rates? What happened with uh, uh, needing more access to mental health services? You know, what about those right. kinds of things? So those are the things that we're going to be looking at. Mm. What about um, looking to the future, just the, the, mm -hmm. the provision of water now once everything's fixed. And I suppose one of the good things is I, I think along with many other um, cities with old infrastructure, mm -hmm. many of the leaks will have been fixed just because right. um, you've got new pipes in there. Um, but you still have to find a way to charge for the water. Um, I saw a report saying that uh, you, you, uh, you only get reimbursed for 50% of the water you, you pay for to, to give out, partly because of leaks. Partly, this is right. probably a bit right. outdated now. Exactly. Partly because of leaks, partly because maybe people stealing it or, mm -hmm. or whatever. Um, and that then brings a the question of, well, how do you then charge the right rate in, a, in an area which still has a lot of poverty right. to make sure that the system maintains its, its integrity? And that was why it was so important for us. We said, you know, it, because that was our question. 
that was exactly our question, and that was why we put the meters in there as well. And we said, no, we have to get new meters because how do we account for yeah. these things? We couldn't if we didn't. Uh, you know, it was kind of a, a it was mm. a fight, but it was a fight yeah. that we came out victorious in because it only made sense yeah. that if you're putting in new infrastructure, you have to be able to account for, okay, where is the water going now? And are we charging the right rates? All of those kinds of things. And um, so I was, I'm, I'm happy that that's something that's going to be happening here mm. because it, otherwise it didn't make sense. Yeah. It didn't make sense at all. Mm. Now, was it the, the water crisis itself that prompted you to, to, to run for the mayor? Because you come from a, a I mean, you, you were involved in, in, in civic institutions, I think, beforehand, but I, don't, I think this is your first public role, public elected role. Yes. Before that, you were a, a businesswoman. I'm, a, and I'm a clinical psychologist. Yes, exactly. Yes. So it was interesting. Um, that wasn't, you know, our water crisis initially was the cost of water. Mm. Uh, but I got in, I was volunteering on someone's campaign that was running for yeah. mayor, trying to help them. And I, after I really got in there and I just saw what was going on in my home, I wanted to be part of helping to make a difference, yeah. not expecting I'd end up being mayor. Uh, that, was, that was not my goal when I went in. It was to help somebody else get into office and just, you know, help my home. Mm. And the emergency manager came and took over the night of the election uh, when I was volunteering. That was in 2010 when I was volunteering, and um, I just stayed involved. Yeah. And people started encouraging me to run, uh, but it wasn't, uh, well, you know, we see what happened. I yeah. ended up being mayor, uh, so I, I obviously did it, but it, was, it wasn't my intent at first. Yeah. It really wasn't, and, 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 and I will have to say, I think I was lucky that uh, while the water issue we started fighting about was the cost of water, uh, I, I made my announcement in March of 2014 that I was running. Uh, before I was elected, we knew that we had other uh, more serious challenges yeah. and issues with our water than just the cost. Uh, and so at least I went into it knowing. I didn't get in office and then find out, what do you mean we have lead in the water? <laughs> yeah. uh, so I did know because, in fact, while I was running, I remember holding a press conference saying, I'm really not holding it as a candidate for mayor. I'm holding it because I am a licensed clinical psychologist and I have a, a moral and ethical responsibility to speak out on the, the hazards of mm -hmm. lead on young children and pregnant and nursing mothers. Yeah. And um, so I did come in with eyes wide open about uh, the lead in the water. Yeah. yeah. So are you going to, I noticed that you, you survived a recall election in 2017. Mm -hmm. um, the next election is, scheduled election is, when is that? Uh, November. So you're running again? I'm have you thinking about thinking it. About I that? haven't announced anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> I have been, really, I've been very, very focused on um, there have been so many good things happening in mm -hmm. the city, and it's just an exciting time. And so I have put all of my energy into that. Uh, but I am talking with my team, mm. and we're considering. Mm. When you look, well, it's, whether you run or not, mm -hmm. um, and whether you get in again for another term or not, w when you look back on your time as mayor, how long it is, what would, what would be the definition of success for you? Well, one of them has to be uh, we can drink our water yeah. again that we can drink our water again. That has, and, and that other people across this country have paid attention uh, and learned the importance. 
and the value of maintaining and investing infrastructure, that people have learned not to take water quality standards for granted uh, and to demand higher standards. And I've, I've been witnessing that, and that, that's success for me because it would be very unsuccessful if Flint went through this crisis, even though other cities, we know we represent yep. so many cities, but if we go through this crisis and other people don't learn from us and put things in place to protect themselves, that would be a failure. Yeah, I know there are so many other cities in this cu country which right. which could well be facing similar issues. Exactly. Um, whether it's you know just I think a six million lead pipes, mm -hmm. some of the pipes being dug up. I think DC dug one up recently that was over a hundred years old mm -hmm. and made of wood. I was going to say it was a log. Um, yeah. And that's and that's the problem with the infrastructure all across this country, all across this country. And so people are paying attention mm -hmm. to that, and that that to me is success. Yeah. So but people are coming to p people from other. Um, authorities are coming to you saying, okay, tell us your experience. Yes. What did you get right? What did you get wrong? Yes, yeah. exactly. And I think um, one of the other things that is success to me is I've always told people right from the beginning to put a comma behind water crisis and that this is going to be one of the best comeback stories right. of all time. And if you walk around Flint and you see what's going on, uh, you can feel mm. it. You can feel that it's coming back. You can see uh, businesses coming. You can see small businesses coming. You can see young people really getting involved in what's going on in the city and having a voice. Uh, you can see that uh, housing is going up. You see cranes downtown. You mm -hmm. see work. And, and one of the things we've talked about is when we have gone all around the city and asked people what recovery looks like, they talk about opportu job opportunities. And um, seeing that happens is success. Karen Weaver, Mayor of uh, the City of Flint in Michigan, thanks for coming on The Exchange. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Exchange, which was produced by Freddie Joyner. Be sure to check out our work at breakingviews.com and subscribe to all of our podcasts, such as The Views Room and The Exchange, on iTunes or anywhere else where you go to get your audio kicks. Thanks for tuning in.